this recent tenure film. We released it on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, and there wasn't a whole lot of promo leading up to this. And I remember opening the studio app one day, and it was a ten out of 10. 10, 10 out of ten means like that is the worst performing video out of the last ten that you posted. Ideal is a one out of ten. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I remember that happened to the video, and I was like, "Man, we put so much into this project, and it's just tanking." And then I start peeking at the comments, and I mean the comments and the engagement on this film were unlike any other video we've, we've released. People were talking about tearing up during the video. Like I cried watching it for the first time. And, uh, you know, there's just all these people are so impacted by the film and it was a really important lesson for myself to not so much measure like the objective stat or analytics of views as the metric. jump into it <laughs> uh welcome back to the podcast everyone today is a, a special episode we uh i've got my my buddy brent here and we've got our boy steve from onyx you've seen these guys in uh in some videos before in the past and they're joining me because uh, today we are going to share 10 lessons in 10 years on youtube uh it's kind of wild to think it's now over 10 years we're, we're on to getting to 11, but in case you guys hadn't seen, we released a 10 year film, uh, back actually on Christmas Eve that documented kind of the origin story of wildfly. And I brought back my cousins who were the guys from the very get go who, uh, who helped kind of start wildfly and helped this, you know, ignite this spark of fly fishing for me. So it was a really special film. Um, a lot of work went into it and it's, it's, cool how many people have um have reached out since just uh being impacted by the story or have related to it in, in some way but we wanted to do a separate podcast to kind of reflect on yeah 10 lessons that i've learned in 10 years um yeah pretty crazy but the boys and i here we just had a uh we had a little brainstorming weekend slash ski weekend uh fill us in brand on our, our our weekend in in utah that we had yeah. Well, uh, I want to step back a little bit. Watching the 10-year episode that's live on YouTube, um, I actually learned a ton. I didn't know anything about the history of the channel, and I've been hanging out with you for, I don't know, a little over two years now. Um, so that was really cool to see and learn learn a little more about the history. But that kind of pushes us into current times. And yeah, we got to spend a, a weekend in Salt Lake during an awesome snowstorm, <laughs> we, uh, we locked it's ourselves a in an Airbnb. Right oh, you're back. You're, you're back, back to get in the snow's back. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. <laughs> we love it. Uh, yeah, we just locked ourselves in an Airbnb and brought out a whiteboard and kind of just took it as a moment to pause and say, okay, what, uh, you know, what worked, what's been working for 10 years? How do, how do you want to keep moving forward? And, you know, what are some new ideas to like kind of adapt and change the change with the times? Um, so I thought it was a pretty productive weekend. We've got the seeds of some really cool ideas for this next year. And um, yeah, which which parts are you most most excited about? Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of ideas and I think this is like something I'll get to. It's really hard to like filter them out. Uh filter out which ones uh are we gonna can we actually do which ones are realistic but we have an airport idea that's all i want to say <laughs> we've got an airport idea that is really really exciting planes um, are involved planes are involved fish are hopefully involved <laughs> we'll see what else we get into uh, i think i'm excited to experiment with some different formats like this one we're kind of referring to but also I really want to hone back into like what is like true core wildfly and what, what kind of videos, you know, like we've had some big projects this, this past year, hope and high water was huge. Uh, the 10 year film was a big production. Um, and just a lot of people and a lot of money and resources and time have gone into those. But I, I do really like stepping back and, 
in like the simple videos where it's just a simple adventure or it's like you're simplifying your gear down to just the essentials so you can truly be in, in the moment and the experience. So I'm looking forward to more of that. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a cool balance. Like it's nice having a big production where you put a lot of time and thought into the idea and the execution and then the distribution. But it's another thing to just, you know, when you first start out on YouTube, it's like, I got an idea, I make it and I just throw it up on YouTube without any thought of like, is this going to make any money? Is this going to grow the channel? Like you just did it because you wanted to do it. And I think leaving room for that is what I'm really excited about. Totally. So as an outsider perspective, having watched for years prior to like meeting you and knowing you and being involved, like I would argue that that's like always been the core of what you've done. And that's continued to date. It's not, you know, some, some videos and plans are much more methodical and you're sitting down and applying some strategy to, okay, we want to do this and we think it should kind of unfold this way. But at its core, it's like, you're going to go do something that you enjoy with people that you enjoy. And and that's always been kind of like that heartbeat, that pulse of what I've observed on Wildfly and what we're trying to do in this coming year for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing with having you guys more involved and in like the more we've been able to build out a team the last year or two, it's, it's like, I tell Brent this all the time, but it, it's always felt like a, a solo venture in a very, you know, you're just like, navigating this world and you're doing everything and you're making all the decisions. And I, as much as that's been great and I've learned a lot from it, I I do really like it. it, I think the most important thing or part is like the people you do it with and building that right team and the right people around that is, is what I'm also really looking forward to. And so that's why I'm stoked to have you guys helping out and uh, yeah, also being a part of this podcast. We gotta, we gotta get get some trips on the on the books this year, and it should be sweet. So, yeah, another suffer fest through the rain uh, on the Henry's Fork sounds great. <laughs> That's right, dude. <clears throat> we'll keep um, trying to feed fish the flies that they don't want to eat. It's it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> Brent's not throwing a dry fly on. He's gonna sit in nah. in the rower seat unless he has a big old six inch streamer in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> We love it. Yes, exactly. Maybe that'll be a lesson for, for Brent's is like, go big or go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never cut the streamer off. Never cut it off. Well, I'd say let's let's jump right into it. Um, I guess before we jump into it, I do want to give everyone a quick insight on what's, what's going on right now. I'm working on the Alaska film, which we shot back in September. And we brought Jesse along, who's one of the subscribers. He won the subscriber giveaway. And I've been picking through the, the footage and starting to put the, the story together and just like very early, early stages of the edit. But it's so cool when you go back into an edit like this you from a trip where Will Phelps was there and he shot most of it. So I didn't even like see most of the footage until now like i'm seeing it for the first time it's like this gift that is in this surprise and i'm getting to like go relive the trip and so i didn't realize how good the footage was and how cool the story is so for everyone listening be uh paying attention and uh i guess we'll keep you guys up to date when when that project releases but hopefully in the next month month and a half that will be be live but very excited about that so that's my last aside i'm sure we'll get into some tangents, but I say, let's jump in to the lessons here. Uh, and to, for all of these, a lot of these are either lessons that I've, uh, you know, things that I've noted from books or podcasts that have really resonated with me and made a profound impact. Uh, but also, you know, different things that I've just through my experience of like observed and, and taken from the experience being on YouTube. Um, yeah. First one is if you're saying yes to everything, you're actually not saying yes to anything. And I heard this from a two, probably like my favorite YouTube channel called yes theory. They make some incredible films all around the world, traveling and doing really cool adventures. And this was brought up in a conversation, uh, which is ironic cause they're, they're, channel started as being like 
saying yes to, to things. But the more that this has grown with Wildfly and the more opportunities that come about, um, opportunities that I never could have imagined would be possible are now, you know, now the, the hard part is, is deciding on those and being able to say no to some really incredible opportunities that might be really engaging and exciting in the moment. But in reality, it's, it might not be realistic. Like if I just say yes to every single trip that I've been invited on, I would just have no time for myself and not be able to give myself the time to like think and focus in on a single project. So I think it, I, I view, view saying no as a muscle and something that you have to work out. And uh, it can be tough to say no, especially to close friends or people that you admire or brands that you admire. But in a lot of cases, it's the most important thing to learn how to do uh, from my experience. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> it was It was shocking to me after kind of like getting a little closer to you, how many people, you know, viewers are reaching out saying, Hey, I have this fishing lodge here or there, you know, literally all across the world and offering to, to host you and, and whatnot. Um, some of them I'm sure are trying to like use it as a marketing tool, but it seems like most of them are pretty genuine and, and wanting to just like hang out and allow you to have an opportunity. Um, and thank you to everyone that that has reached out and offered. But it, like you're mentioning, um, there's hundreds of them. There's only you know so many weeks in a year, 52 weeks in a year. Like even if you were to go film every week in a year, you'd have no time to edit and upload, and like your your life would just be spinning out of control and chaos. So yeah, it's a really it's a really tough one to to say no and decide which trips are actually like actually exciting and fulfilling all the, all the good things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a whole lot here that's lending itself to being decisive as something that's important. You know, getting choice angst is totally a thing. Getting burnt out by saying yes to everything is, is absolutely a factor. And yeah, you just end up not being the same content creator, like that people have come to know and love. If you were to just take on every opportunity, you, you maybe, it'd be a, a quantity over quality thing. And um, sometimes that's a fine line to walk, but I think this lends itself to, to that idea of, of making sure that you're, you're finding balance in all things. Yeah. And it's tough. Cause I feel like I <clears throat> am very much an impulsive person, which is in some ways how I've, I feel like gotten to where I've gotten, but at the same time, <clears throat> like training that muscle of instead of the ins the instant something comes up that's a cool idea being like oh yeah let's do that like totally just taking even a couple seconds to think about it and be like hmm does this actually make sense this might be really exciting in the moment but maybe i don't even have to make a decision right now let's just let's just take some time to think on this and then get back and if it's best say no yeah dude procrastination yeah. always is a good decision procrastination is the best <laughs> exactly that's not <laughs> i'm not procrastinating i'm just giving it time to make the best choice dude and i'm so bad at that with like my texts a lot of times like and this is something like it's it's a lesson but also something i need to continue to work on because a lot of times i'll get texts and like i have 200 texts unopened texts in my inbox right now <laughs> and uh that hurts i know dude <laughs> it really hurts but a lot of times i'll see something and i'm just not in a place to respond and I'll do it later. And then it's just pushed off. And then I forget yep. to text someone back from however long ago, but so take your advice, but don't take your advice practice, maybe making decisions, but yeah. also thinking about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in that case, just like making a decision and to either respond and if it's an opportunity say yes or no, or just like, don't answer it if it's if it's not needed to be answered so yeah some of this comes back to the work that we did when we did our planning ski weekend where coming up with some sort of decision making matrix or criteria for what's going to be valuable for you is going to help with some of that choice angst or at least say well here's this 
like a lot of opportunities and it's like growing continually. But if I have this filtering criteria of like, these are the things I've decided are valuable to me or worth my time. Um, and, and this applies to not only making decisions for somebody's like personal business or career choices, life choices, but down to just creative fun things as well. Like if you decided these, this is what's valuable, valuable to me and how I want to spend our limited free time, everyone's trying to figure out their own work-life balance. Like that can be helpful for that too. Not just, you know, how, what videos are we going to make in the coming year? What projects are we going to take on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think to come, to come full circle with that, it's like really the whole, like the most important part of this is like about yourself and your well being and your, your life. And I think in so much of this career, it's just been like, go, go, go. Yeah, we'll do this. Let's do that. Putting so much emphasis and priority into the YouTube videos, the trips, the work that not giving myself enough personal time to be like, who the hell am I actually? You know, what do I actually want in my life? And I I think in the last year or two, I've, I've started to be more intentional, especially in the last year of taking the time for myself to think about some of this stuff. Um, where are we headed? Like, why are we doing this? What, uh, you know, what do I, I want through, um, uh, you know, in my relationships or in my life or, you know, with my career. So all good stuff to think about. I think at the, the end of the day, taking some time to think and then make your your decision is the big one. Clear uh, out those unread texts. Clear them out. I know that's a, that's <laughs> 2024 goal right there. <laughs> Get this thing <laughs> to double digits. <laughs> um, the next one, <clears throat> I got this from a another one of my favorite YouTube channels called Colin and Smear. <clears throat> they they cover the creator world and interview YouTubers and other creators and filmmakers, musicians, and just get to <clears throat> kind of pick their brains and hear the ins and outs of, uh, of other creators, which has been really helpful in my, my journey. But what they said is you're not working on a YouTube channel. You're working on yourself. And I thought this was really key because you think that you're trying to build this YouTube channel. Um, you think it's, you know, this, you know, the videos and everything, the craft that you're working on. But a lot of times you're just figuring out your, your balance, figuring out what you like to do, what you don't like to do. Um, and figuring out who you like to work with, figuring out what, what tendencies you have. Um, and I, I, th I think reflecting on the 10 years I've like learned so much about myself having to go through, you know, making videos and editing and hearing myself on camera and being like, Oh, I, I didn't need to say all that. That was so long winded. I can just condense it. And a lot of editing is really just like filtering your thoughts and into a concise manner. So I think, I think that one really resonated with me about just hitting, you know, working on yourself essentially. That's kind of the driving fact force behind it all. Yeah. Deciding maybe you don't like nymphing. Maybe you just want to throw streamers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's Scotty, yeah. being on YouTube, a platform where like, literally I could go and by the end of this conversation, like I could go set up a YouTube account. Like that's pretty daunting. Like you would say it's, it's extremely saturated. Um, and Brent, I think it's something that we've talked about and noted is that like, you kind of feel conflicted between like, do I take a certain strategy or something like that? But, but working on yourself and being authentically yourself is how you're going to attract that, that audience that is like, you're being 100% you and that unique perspective creates the, the great storytelling that people are attracted to. And I feel like that's something that you guys noted at the film premieres recently. Totally. Yeah. The, I mean, again, more, more of an outsider perspective than Scotty, you know, it, it seems to me like wildfly has just told authentic stories. There's, there's not been any like forced, you know, overly produced stories that, that get distracting. It's just, Hey, I want to go fishing. This is like some reflection I had while I was fishing. Let's make this into a story and share it with everyone. And it seems to resonate quite well because I mean, we're all tired of seeing like ads that are Hollywood produced and, you know, fake made stories. It's just like show a well-told authentic story seems to work well. 
yeah, people want to see the the real stuff. They want to see the like who you are, and they want to <laughs> connect with people. Because yeah, I think a lot of the like stuff in in the fly world, a lot of the media you see now, it just looks it looks very corporate, and it looks very cookie cutter, like the same. So I think people are just craving you know real stuff. And it's funny because you go on this like journey of trying to create this brand and this image and and whatnot, and then it all just comes back to like, oh, what what actually you should be doing and what what people are looking for is just who you are and just being honest with yourself. We unintentionally just, discovered number three here. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Number three is is perfect. This is a uh, I forget who I heard this from. But this is from another YouTuber. Uh, it doesn't have to be great. It just has to be me. And I loved hearing that because I think we all like as creators or, you know, really anything you do, you strive for this, this greatness and you strive for what you see out there as, you know, high, super high quality videos and films, you know, people shooting with these fancy cameras and you're like, man, I, I just would, would, would do anything to shoot an image like that and capture that thing. But at the same time, I think the most important part is just it to it has to feel like you. And if it doesn't feel like you, no matter what camera you're using, you could be filming on a potato like this webcam right here. And uh, as long as it's you, it uh, that's the most important thing. And w- during the weekend, we were watching a bunch of Ryan Trahan's videos, which Steve, I think that was the first time you'd seen him. Never seen but, Dude, tell me, like, Ryan is, like, one of my favorite YouTubers. Just how genuine. He's such a good storyteller, but it's so lo-fi, and he, it's it's not forced. He's, like, so himself. But, like, what was your thoughts when you first saw some of his videos? I was blown away that, like, you know, when you imagine the top percentage of, like, any category, you just imagine, like, a tremendous amount of effort. And I'm not saying that's not, that's not what is happening there, um, but – like it wasn't overproduced in any way. Like I kind of imagine, like he must be using like some crazy equipment. This he look, most of them are filmed on a phone. It would seem uh, so like there's GoPro footage and, and things like that. I'm sure that there's other videos, but of the ones we watched, some of them were just like him holding a phone towards himself, like extremely entertaining. And obviously, he's one of the most successful YouTubers from what I understand when we were watching. So yeah, it was, it was amazing to see, like, this is a fantastic example of like, he's just being himself. He's attracted this audience that is like super appreciative of that type of storytelling. And he's cut out quite a, quite a big piece of the pie on YouTube for himself. Pretty interesting. Super Mm -hmm. fun to watch. Yeah. And it's funny because like the reaction that you get and the feeling watching it, you're just, we're laughing. We're like, there's tension. It's such good storytelling. But if you watch that from an outsider's perspective with the, the lo-fi feel to it you're like this isn't a good video like this isn't shot on a red or this isn't shot on whatever (laughs) but that doesn't matter at the end of the day and that's like the beauty of youtube it's so diy and i think that's why i've Mm -hmm. always been so attracted to it it's just the the realness of it so yeah 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 if you're listening or watching right now leave a comment or send a dm to wildfly and tell us your thoughts whether you agree on the the quality of the video and you know basically what we just discussed for the last five minutes be interesting yeah. to hear the audience's perspective yeah yeah it's just a different perspective on i think it just again comes back to story versus the actual production and so anytime people i get a lot of dms of people reaching out about cameras and all that and i think the most important thing is it doesn't matter there's a bazillion cameras out there you can use just figure out one that's in your budget figure out how to use it the best you can and just start to start, you know, chipping away at trying to use it and you'll eventually get nobody to cares it. about that. They just want to see you catch more and bigger fish. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's, That's all they really care about. Yeah. Are you going to catch fish, a big fish, fish this year? Dude, but yeah. I, I think also to tie this to fishing, uh, I think there's like sometimes division in the fly fishing world of like, Oh, nymphing is, stupid or tight line nipping is this tankara is that dry flies are for nerds i think it doesn't matter like you know some of these some of the fisheries are put up on a pedestal like the bonefish or the permit or whatever but at the end of the day if you love going and fishing your little pond and it gives you joy that has bluegill and you like doing that like there's nothing wrong with that and share that there's no shame in sharing that uh with with people um 
so I think, I think a lot of, a lot of times when you're getting started, you think you got to fit into a certain team, but I don't think that's the case. Um, speaking of team, we go to number four. Uh, you can't. What a segue. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> We're going to get real good at segues by the end of this. Um, so you, you can't do everything. Find the right people to support you in your endeavors. Um, like we were referring to earlier in the, in, in the podcast, I think it's so important the people you surround yourself with, not only for growing a business or a YouTube channel, but also for who you bring on a trip. I, I've been on plenty of trips with people who have bad attitudes or, you know, are just, they're just not the right fit for the group. And they really take down the whole experience of the trip because you're with fishing, you're going to go through on pretty much every trip, you're going to have times where it sucks and you're not catching anything and you're trying to put the pieces together, but nature is not helping you out. And in those moments, you have to have the right people around you to like keep the energy high, keep the morale good and, and keep moving forward. So I think that's obviously a big goal we talked about this past weekend was just continuing to grow the right team around Wildfly and around what we're doing. So, yeah, the, the trip, the, the group morale on any fishing trip is like, is such a big, big part of how much, how you remember the trip. You know, you, we went out on the, up in Idaho and got rained on the whole night while we were camping on the river, but we found a way to laugh about it and still have a, an awesome fishing session late that night while we were getting dumped on. So, um, yeah, group morale, definitely pick your, pick your friends or who you're bringing on the trip wisely. Yes. Amen. And I think uh, off of this too, another thing I was thinking about is I love to fish, but I think at the end of the day, like what I really like is just fishing is a vessel to get out to these cool places and to spend time with, with friends and good people and like really just connect on a human level with people. I think that at the end of the day, I think that's like the biggest thing I'm craving in when I go fishing. Um, obviously you want to catch a fish. Like I want to catch a bonefish. I want to catch, you know, a big Brown trout on the Henry's on a, a salmon fly. But at the end of the day, I just really when it, what I'm actually gonna remember, like you're saying, Brent is like the people, um, who are hanging out with and spending yeah. time with. So, but it's good to have the objective. It'd be pretty weird to just drive up there to go hang out and talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just wait you till you have the... a 50 fish day, Scotty. And things are... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any of you guys. <laughs> then you'll be like, you know what? I actually think this is just all about fish count. Uh, no friends on a, on a hatch day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dude. That needs to be a t-shirt. No friends on a hatch day. Yeah. Steal from the <laughs> ski world. Uh, do you guys have any any other thoughts on that with I mean I, kind of, I guess we kind of summed it up but um yeah have an objective uh, I would say like to to your second point of it's just a vessel to go out and do this there's been little opportunities with fishing that I've been historically down on where I was like I'm not really sure that I'm that interested in that but then once I finally gotten over myself and gone, like there used to be this little pond near where I, I worked and I knew that there were little bluegills and some bass in there and stuff like that. And I've always kind of just overlooked it until three or four people from work wanted to go when we were done. And we went down there with uh, a boat bag with a bunch of flies and some three weights and uh, a couple of beers. And I was like, wow, this is actually a great time. And you're still doing all the same fun stuff. Like you're, you're rigging, you're casting, you're getting eats, you're setting the hook and, and you know, you're playing with something that bends a rod. So I, then at that point I was like, and you know, anything that bends a rod is cool. And same thing applied for, there was a while where, you know, I kind of grew up with conventional fishing and trolling and stuff like that. And that kind of drifted out of it, wasn't super into it. But then I realized that like hanging out on the boat and playing with all the variables and messing with your depth and temperature and speed and getting to be around the people in that environment. Like there are cool things to find in any of these little pockets of, of opportunities and fishing and applies elsewhere too, but specifically with fishing, it's totally the people you're with and, and the objective that you're trying to solve together. It's, it's a fun puzzle, no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a fun part about the the weekend brainstorm with coming up with different objectives for trips 
and like how that could make a cool premise. So yeah, that's great. All right, moving on. Number five, this is a quote from the famous Rick Rubin, absolute legend. If anyone has, if you, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with Rick Rubin and you're an artist, I think you should look into him um, in his book. The creative act way of being is like one of the best books I've ever, ever written, especially as a creative. Um, and this quote really resonated and it's the failure or failure is the information you need to get where you're going. And I think that is, can be more true with fishing, with creating, um, storytelling, really anything you do in life. It's like fail forward, failed, fail fast for that as well. But embracing the failure, which is very hard early on because you want to be perfect and you, you don't want to make mistakes and you, you want to like prove yourself in a way, but actually leaning into that, um, you know, especially with every trip that we go on, there's something that screws up and, and just being open to what that failure is trying to, trying to teach you. For example, we were in Alaska and I, there was just a lot leading up to it that I had not been like full, like I just been working on another project leading up to it. So I wasn't fully in Alaska mode. So I, I only brought like one or two hard drives and we didn't have enough space. One of them was full. I didn't even check like an idiot. And I remember like the first or second night we're dumping footage and Will was like, dude, we're out of space. And he was like getting on me about it because that was my role. I was supposed to bring a hard drive or I was supposed to bring enough space for the trip. And fortunately we were close enough to a, a store just down the road that we could go buy, you know, a couple of hard drives, but it was a good wake up call for me. It's like, yeah, I've been doing this a long time, but man, like get your shit together. Like this is, this is the most important thing. This trip, none of this is happens without the storage and saving all of this footage. So I think with, when you're getting into fly fishing or if you're getting into filming, you're going to fail a lot. That's what you need to figure out kind of where you're going. Sometimes yeah. to know uh, what you need to do, you have to know what not to do. And you don't always know what not to do until you try something and it fails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like the beginning of the day you tie on a white streamer and you're like, I really want this go. white streamer to work. And then eventually you have to tie on the stupid olive streamer. And oh, it's working. That might be the worst oh. part of the day, dude. Yeah. If they're not hitting Learning the white one, that... dude, I don't want to fidget. <laughs> you know, having to tie on olive is like just heartbreaking. But You know what's even you know, worse is having to tie on a black one. You're like, I can't see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can't see the strike. I can't see it in the water column. I don't know where it is, but black can be deadly, unfortunately. Yep. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I love that that quote from from Rick Rubin, and I think it's really, yeah, it's really good to, especially with YouTube. It's it's interesting. You 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 can put stuff up and get real time feedback from your your audience, and you know, I think your the audience is smart, and especially the more they get to know you and. They'll, they'll sniff out any BS if they're like, dude, you're playing the game. Stop. Don't play the game. Just be, just be yourself. Like they'll call you out or if a video doesn't hit, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, I think a lot of times people are like, people can be very judgmental towards the algorithm, right? Which sure it has a huge part in distributing the video, but a lot of times it's good to reflect on, oh, what, what could I have done differently in this process to make it perform? better or make it resonate better with the audience. So moving on number six, this, uh, I actually just thought of this while we were, we were, I don't know, recording. And this is from a book called steal like an artist. Another book I recommend anybody read. If you're a filmmaker, creator, anyone who's just like looking to do something, uh, create creative craft in a way. Um, and even, even anglers, I think could take a lot from this, but the quote is good artists copy, but great artists steal. And I think at first you, there's this, uh, when you first get into filmmaking, for example, I'll, I'll bring a, a real life example to me. There's a group back in the day called Montana wild 
that I was really inspired by. I'm sure you guys are familiar with their work. And I remember at the very start, I was just trying, like, all I wanted to do was make Montana Wild videos. And I just tried making videos that looked just like them. And we would get certain shots, you know, on the river and be like, oh, that was a Montana Wild shot or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think, you know, early on, like, there was this feeling of shame, like you're copying somebody. But I think what's really, what I've learned and what's really important is, inspiration is like the best way to improve your craft. Um, if you copy and only try to make a Montana wild video, then you're just always going to be known as the next Montana wild. But if I steal from Montana wild, I steal from Jimmy chin. I steal different elements from all these people that I'm inspired by. Then you put that together and that's creates something that's original. And I, I wish I would have read that book and known that earlier on. Um, instead of just trying to, I mean, I think you intuitively do that. You take inspiration, but it's a, it's a huge thing to, to steal different things and not feel bad about taking different elements from other creators and other people inspire you. And I, th- I think the same could go with fishing too, like taking tactics from different guides you fish with or people, you know, stuff like, you know, you're really dialed with nymphing Steve. And when we go fishing, you know, you're like, you know, don't, I don't nymph don't as much. associate as... <laughs> me with that. <laughs> don't put I'm that just, out there. <laughs> I'm not putting you in a box. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's different things we can learn from, from each other. Like how to fish a bobber from Steve. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> uh, how to catch a whitefish on a nymph from Steve. From Steve. You know. <laughs> happy, happy to help. Happy to help. This uh, how to be... actually does remind me from. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> the music world uh hearing a quote that was like in a failed attempt at sounding like your heroes you sound like yourself Mm, strong not that i'm trying to take away from like the nymph bashing thing that's going on here (laughs) you can continue that if you'd like i just wanted to put that out there (laughs) dude that's really good though i like cover that wound up with another quote yeah Yeah, that was that was the flex (laughs) seal just on the tub of leaking water right there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just that's a lot of damage we're gonna <laughs> patch that one up i swear i've fished a dry fly before <laughs> i used to that's how i started all my rods are 10 foot three weights i don't know what to tell you <laughs> oh come on that's a trout span <laughs> i'm just kidding you're yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm just trout span <laughs> yeah we're learning how to throw oh, ignorantly man. large streamers from brent and only throw that the Anytime. whole day <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving the fish. I don't want to catch them all. Yeah. <laughs> he, Have you he's guys a conservationist? Like, I guess Brent, especially from your experience working as a rep in, in interacting with a lot of different anglers, do you feel like there's certain moments that or certain things that you remember or have taken from other anglers and other people that have like helped craft your fly fishing game essentially? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, like, not that I'm some great fly fisherman, but everything I know about fly fishing is from someone else. I like never went by myself. I was like anyone that would go fishing with me, go fish from with them and learn something, put it in the toolbox. Put it in the box, dude. Keep growing the toolbox. It's never ending. That That's mental right. filing cabinet, just fill it. Yes, dude. And then just close it and only remember the part that says throw big streamers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Forget about this. Forget about that. This is you. Streamers right here. Stay home. Home exactly. base. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <clears throat> That's great. Um, so number seven, uh, this is uh, from my one of my favorite bands, 21 Pilots. I've always just like admired their originality and like their the world that they've created with their music. But they talk about this analogy of like popping your head out of the ground. And I couldn't really come up with like a quote necessarily for this, but I'll explain it, which essentially is, um, you know, early on in their career, they were, there was a bunch of bands in their circle and they were, you know, all kind of coming up together, trying to figure out, um, what direction they want to do. Oh, this band's doing that. This band's doing that. Oh, we could try this. And there was all these different bands but when they finally decided, you know what, let's like put our head underground. Let's go do the things that we want to do. This, this, let's play that show. 
whatever, that's when things started, um, you know, working for them. And they essentially popped their head out of the ground like five years later and they were 20 miles ahead of everyone else. And so I remember hearing that really early on and, uh, understanding, I guess, like the importance of stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. And it's really important that you just follow your gut and the things that excite you. And cause that's truly what is going to make you the most fulfilled and also what the audience is going to like, they're going to like what you want to make. So for any, I think any creatives out there who are looking for a direction, they're trying to look at different people in their their field, like their YouTube severe or their people in their industry and see what other people are doing that's working. I think you can do that to an extent, but it's really important to at a certain point, just don't take those inputs in and actually work on the craft and work on the stuff that you want to make um, or fish the places that you want to fish. Don't just follow like where all the, you know, big industry heads are going kind of thing. How does that fit? So, you know, good artists copy, great artists steal, this next one is kind of, you know, yeah, the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what you just basically like take your few good ideas of inspiration from your, your favorite artists and then go back into the dark editing room and work on it for however long and then come back up and look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. They do kind of contradict themselves, but I think it's, more so it's the importance of, of like honing in uh, on your craft and honing in on something and not letting other people's inputs impact your decision more so than, you know, you can still take inspiration from people, but if you're constantly just looking for approval of, am I, am I doing what they're doing? Okay. That's working for them. I'm going to go do that. Or this person's doing that. I think you it's, yeah, it's like, taking in the the inspiration, but also at the same time doing your own thing. I've heard uh, nice. the creativity compared to kind of explained through lucid dreaming where it's like, you want to be aware of it. You want to be careful with it and enjoy it and like stay in it. And then if you become distracted or excitable or you, you pop your head out of the ground, like you, it'll break and you've lost it. You're, you've slipped out of, out of that lucid dream. So you want to like stay really focused and in that space. Yeah. Yeah, I think distraction is is uh, is probably what kills people's careers and businesses more than competition, and it's I've experienced a struggle with that big time trying to stay focused. But the times like you guys know, I mean Brent, you know, with working with me, the the weeks or two weeks that I have to like finish a video when that's the sole thing that I'm doing and I'm only working on that, and there's not like meetings or I have to do merch stuff. Like those are the weeks that I really get shit done. And it's like productive. Um, I'm allow myself to get into those like that creative state and stay there. So it just takes a lot of focus, which is hard. <laughs> into the editing cave and stay yeah. there. <laughs> just stay there, dude. <laughs> uh, this is another one that I feel like I've learned a lot from you, Brent. And it's if you don't plan it, you won't do it. I think I, I found funny enough. Uh, up until probably last year, I didn't really use a calendar. I was just kind of <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants. That is a construct. <laughs> yeah. I'd like write stuff in my little planner, but I'd never like, I was like, Google cl- calendar? How the hell do you use this thing? But <laughs> I think it's really opened my eyes to putting stuff on the calendar, planning, planning things out. Even if you you have to move it or you don't end up doing it, at least put it on there because you're way more likely for it to happen if it's on the calendar than if it's not. Definitely. Yeah, we when we were doing that planning weekend, you brought the, uh, the big-ass calendar. It's like a whole year in one poster. And when you look at that, leaving plans up to chance or not putting them on the calendar seems really silly Mm -hmm. like if you want to get a lot done this next year and go on a bunch of epic trips better put them on the calendar and and put a time limit on them yeah i think it's huge for people that talk about oh man i always wanted to do like a montana trip or i've always wanted to do a bahamas trip and go bone fishing i think a lot of people and myself included have been like oh man you know would love to do this trip 
But until you actually put it on the calendar and you start making steps to plan it, it's never going to happen. It's never just going to like magically show up one day and be like, hey, here's your plane tickets and itinerary to the Bahamas. Enjoy. I mean, you could play the lottery. <laughs> you could play the lottery. Finally, yeah. Should we start a wildfly lottery and just start shipping out plane tickets to people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Every piece of merch bought is one entry. <laughs> that could be a fun idea (laughs) yeah how does like uh how does planning come into your world though steve because i know you're super organized and you know especially with like onyx stuff and then balancing hunting and fishing how does it work (laughs) i don't make plans i break them (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) no no i joke um yeah i try to be especially like as more variables come into my life, um, try to balance work ethic, play ethic. But again, it's like anything that's, you don't make tangible will escape. So I, I use the notes app of my phone quite a bit actually, cause I, sometimes my thoughts for these ideas or plans, whether they be trip related or something I got to do, um, can be sporadic and they'll come in like, little windows of productivity of thought. Um, And so when that's happening, I try to just like write everything down. And then later that week when I'm like, what am I doing right now? I'm sitting on my phone or whatever, like go to the notes and be like, Oh, okay. I need to add this to the calendar. I should send this message to this person, or I need to return this phone call or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think writing stuff down too is key. Like if you have a video, I fit it all up here. You can't fit, get it out of your brain. I think that's like a big thing that times that I'm like trying to fall asleep and there's stuff in my head that what I have to do tomorrow when I write it down and it's out of my head, clear the space, clear the Ram. And then now I can move on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Uh, okay. This, this next one, number nine, this is very, actually, this is very applicable to this 10 year film that just came out, but I'll share this share it with you first. Don't measure a video success by views, but rather if you did all the steps in the process to the best of your ability. So with this recent 10 year film, we released it on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve. And there wasn't a whole lot of promo leading up to this because we had the, the Hope and High Water project that released over paywall right before this. And then this film was actually supposed to drop in like October, but it took a lot longer to get the story right and just to get it where we wanted it to be. And it's, I'm, it's cool that it dropped on new Year, Christmas Eve because the intro scene includes a, a scene from the previous Christmas that it just felt like the right thing to do, dropping it when people are with their family. Like the experience of watching this, I think was more important than actually the, the reach when it, when it came down to it. But I remember I kind of deleted my studio app while I was, during Christmas and not looking at analytics when I was with my family, but I was, you know, still peeking a little bit. And I was like, Oh, let's see how the video is doing. And I remember opening the studio app one day and it was a 10 out of 10. And if any YouTubers out there, like people who have put stuff on YouTube, if you know what the feeling of a 10 out of 10 video is, it just hits you in the gut. It's, it's basically YouTube being like, yeah, your audience doesn't like this video. Essentially, 10, 10 out of 10 means like that is the worst performing video out of the last 10 that you've posted. Ideal is a one out of 10. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And when you get a one out of 10 on the studio app, they give you all this confetti that's coming out of the screen and you're like, the dopamine, dopamine is just gushing. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I remember that happened to the video and I was like, man, we put so much into this project and it's just tanking. And this is like what's going in my head. Then I start peeking at the comments and I mean, the comments and the engagement on this film were unlike any other video we've we've released. People were talking about tearing up during the video. Like I cried watching it for the first time. And, uh, you know, there's just all these people are so impacted by the film. And it was a really important lesson for myself to not so much measure like the objective stat or analytics of views as the metric that they're giving um that youtube is giving us and more so be like okay this actually is making a big impact even if it's a 10 out of 10 which it eventually picked up it's now a four out of 10 <laughs> but <laughs> i think the steps in making it were the most important part of, about it we did the we made the story the best we could 
and people are really impacted by it. And even if that's a smaller group, that's, that doesn't matter. It's way more important than trying to reach with. So I, yeah. Authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy how like the, the views on YouTube, they'll give you, it just gives you the sense of validation in a way. And then you're so, you're almost constrained by it because that's the only form of validation that makes sense. A lot of times it's harder to be like, no, 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 this is making a real impact because you can't really see that. It's not, it's hard to be measured. So I think to circle this one and to, to, to put a, no, to circle back on it, essentially uh, any of you guys who are filmmakers or doing anything creative and putting your work out there, I think you got to really enjoy the process and think about all the things that you did right and you can do right in that process before you worry about the actual view count. Um, I think enjoying the process is huge and what the algorithm and the, you know, YouTube or social media decides to do with it. That's totally out of your control. The most you can do is just execute best you can. So. Yeah. You've obviously listened to that advice. You've made it 10 years and haven't burned out. Um, so congrats on that, dude. Wild. Thanks. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, so this last one, number 10, is I, I pulled two quotes. I, I think I couldn't decide between these two, but I just liked them both. And they're both two books, again, that I'd recommend that have made a big impact on me. Specifically, the first one, The Comfort Crisis, which is a book that heavily inspired 120 Miles, The Bike Pack. But the quote reads, boredom is indeed dead. Our collective lack of boredom is not only burning us out, but also muting what boredom is trying to tell us about our mind, emotions, ideas, wants, and needs. And the second one is from Rick Rubin again. Uh most often the hints of inspiration are small to hear the whispers. The mind must also be quiet. And I think the, the biggest thing to take away here is really just the importance of, of having boredom in your life. It's, it's something that has completely disappeared from our world with constant, you know, phone that you can pick up and you can be distracted there he goes <laughs> for uh, you know any anything. What? Oh, friends! Oh, what's up, dude? No, I'm not doing anything right now. <laughs> you texting me? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But we're just you know, it's I I found for myself like not giving myself the time to think and and just be and sit with my thoughts, which can be really hard sometimes. That is often where some of the best ideas come from, and the most clarity comes to me. Um, it's so easy for me to like, you know, whether it's like asking a girl out and you're resisting it, or if it's like posting an Instagram, you know, caption or a video, you're, it's easy to just jump over to Instagram or jump over to YouTube and just like swipe the boredom away, essentially. You guys got those DMs, dude. You got those wildfly DMs. <laughs> Not a whole lot of ladies in the DMs and wildfly, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> There's like 8% female audience. <laughs> but Sick if you're out demo. there maybe 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 she's out there <laughs> maybe she'll message me um <clears throat> scotty this reminds me do you remember uh maybe you guys use this in school where there'd be like a, a web program where you'd put in you'd copy and paste in a bunch of text and then it would plot them and then the words that had like they were repeated more and had more frequency would be like larger on like this word blob mat thing so like the word that was pasted into the text box the most would like show up the biggest. And then one that showed up like three or four times would be like slightly smaller. And it would just put all the words that you put in there like this. And then sometimes like if you're thinking about your thoughts this way, where the biggest things, the most frequent things work and things that happen on a daily basis, like those are the biggest things. The coolest, most inspirational thing might be like the one, but you got to sift through all of it. And whether that's like you said, kind of sitting with your thoughts or some form of meditation, or for me, a long drive usually does that where everything else can come down to like a normal idol and you're able to like find and explore like the quietest things. Um, and I think that kind of relates to what you're describing. Yeah, 
Totally. You, you mentioned something too. I, maybe you can talk a little more on this, but about writing stuff down and how it's like, that's how you're actually solving problems. In your, oh of, yeah. In your um, head. Lately people have been talking about like journaling more and, and using either like actually pen to paper, which helps with retention better than like a screen, but anything is better than just trying to solve it all in your head. But uh, the example I heard was, if I gave you a basic math problem, you could do it in your head, just like some simple addition or something. But then if I gave you like some big number multiplied by this other big number, you'd probably say like, oh, well, give me a pen and paper or maybe a calculator or something. You can't just do mental math. Well, that's just numbers. If you think about like everything that you've experienced and all the decisions you're trying to make and just your life and what's going on up in the noggin, like to do mental math on that is certainly impossible. So writing something down is a great way to like sift through, find everything from the biggest, loudest thoughts to the smallest, quietest ones, and like either find inspiration through that for creating a video or a solution to some problem that you've been dealing with or um, learning a little bit more about yourself even through doing that. Yeah. Could also be the same as like deciding between going bone fishing or going for GTs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Writing down the, the pros and cons. Yeah. It's so funny how like this, like these Make a list. old school, old school, so to say like methods of, of being in the world, I guess, or whatever are uh, actually the best way to solve things. Like we have computers and we have this and that, but for our actual brains, we're not, we haven't evolved, you know, computers have evolved, but our brains are still like the same as they were thousands of years ago. So it makes sense to, to slow it down a lot of times and to solve problems on paper. Yeah. So. I think it's hard because like everyone talks about, Oh, here's my hacks to be more productive. Here's the apps I use to be more productive, yada, yada, yada. And like, I'll catch myself in the middle of a work day flipping between like, eight different screens it's like okay well you check your excel list go to your notes app go to your email like five different things and i end up forgetting why i even opened one one app so sometimes i just have to like sit down and stare at the ceiling and just be like hold on like reset what are we actually focusing on here yeah yeah one of the things i do a lot of times is i'll leave my phone on the counter in the kitchen when i go to bed because the days when I wake up and the, if, if I look at my phone the first, you know, right away in the morning, it's like that is just essentially a distraction from like what you're actually trying to do. Like maybe I'm trying to get up and go for a run and then read or like get into work and start working on an edit. But like that's really just slowing you down and giving you more inputs to just be like, what the hell am I? Wait, what am I doing now? You know, and then you're lost. Mm -hmm. You come out of the vortex of Instagram like, oh, what? Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> I I was sleeping in my van in Scotty's driveway and <clears throat> this homeless guy like tried to break into my van while I'm sleeping in there. And so whatever, I kind of like scared him off. And then I'm sitting in the van and like all the windows are covered. I didn't want to like open up the windows in case he came back or something. So I'm like calling Scotty like eight or 10 times. I'm like, dude, can you look out your window and like see if I'm okay? Like, whatever but i was like no he sets his phone on the kitchen counter and <laughs> there's no chance of getting a hold of it. yeah dang it dude uh could it could have could have really need me there <laughs> just been in rem sleep <laughs> oh my dude, god yeah that's crazy i mean you kind of just breezed over the fact that homeless guy <laughs> broke into your van but um i know what your oh, your point was I swear, I don't live in that bad of an area. It's a nice area. It's just some folks around here. Looking for, they're up too late. Nothing good happens after 1, 1 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Including homeless people. Including yeah. homeless people. Oh, man. Um, yeah, sweet. Well, that's that kind of sums up the, the 10, 10 lessons. There's, like, obviously a ton more that we could go into that, you know, if I could sift through more of my notebooks or just think, but you know, it's hard to dial it into 10, but wanted to reflect on the 10 years. Thank everyone for being a part of this journey. Thank you guys in particular for being a part of this and, and helping out. Um, 
and your parts and yeah, just fun to, I don't know, fun to talk through some of this stuff. Some of it's not totally fly fishing related, but I, th- I think, um, you know, a lot of it can be related, related to fly fishing and just overall for people's life. So hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you had took something away. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any, any closing thoughts before we, we wrap her up? Lock your van ready for 24. <laughs> yeah. Lock yeah, your van yeah, yeah. Doors. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, sweet. Well, thanks fellas. Appreciate y'all hopping on and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Go check out the new tenure film if you haven't already. So peace. It's a good one. See ya. See ya.